inside the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me is Benjamin Solak. And for half of this podcast, it's not just a Monday morning, but it is, in fact, a mock draft Monday morning because your boy, Benjamin Solak, put out a brand spanking new mock draft this morning over at thedraftnetwork.com. I'm sure... uh, I'm sure all of you have read it front to back. Every pick, have it memorized because it's that much of a masterpiece. Ben, what time did you go to bed last night working on this mock draft? Be honest with later, me. Later later, later than, than you're uh, supposed to. That's for sure. Um, but I, the, the, you can't rush craftsmanship. Ah, uh, uh, yes. Trevor, uh, yes. You know, so true. Uh, you know, uh, Beethoven at his fifth, Michael Andrade is David. Me, what what I do is I get every single pick correct. You know what's shocking, Trevor? I thought, you were, say, I thought you were gonna say, and I piss every single fan base off. Right. Without right. <laughs> no, but, but here's the thing, it's very interesting because I have done three separate mock drafts now, right? Yes. And in every single one, there are slight like there are different picks. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't give the same team the same player in each one yet somehow still somehow i have yet to get a pick wrong every single pick i've projected has actually been <laughs> completely correct i'm the 32 for 32 on this draft these are actually the picks no, that are gonna happen in april it is unbelievable i've already called the guinness book of world record representatives to check in on what the record is, and i've been told that you're closing in on it midway through the next mock ben if you stay perfect you're gonna hit it you're gonna go in the book you're going to be a record holder. The Guinness guy is going to be sitting right over your shoulder as you, as you make it's, the it, mock draft. It's like a pitcher pitching a perfect game. I understand why nobody's talking about it. I understand why I'm not uh, getting yes, added about course. it. I appreciate the fact that you guys are trying not to make a big deal out of it. I just want you to know. Everybody's watching. The nation's <laughs> eyes are on it. I understand. I guess, right, like you think everybody's uh, reading your work is, is actually, in all honesty, probably a... Uh, a good monitor to have. Uh, this is a fun mock draft. You have a lot of unique picks in here for a lot of different teams. Obviously, the draft order very dynamic from week to week as the NFL season is still going on. But at the top, and we just, I mean, we got to start there, even whether it's we talk a little bit or, or, or a lot about it. Cincinnati Bengals continue to hold that top spot. They've had it for, boy, over two months now. Guy, I feels yep. like that, that they've had that number one overall slot. And honestly, Ben, you know my philosophy. A lot of people out there know my philosophy. I like doing mock drafts to be different. I like mm-hmm. putting guys in different spots to say, hey, you know what? Of course, there's the consensus. This guy might go here kind of a thing. But what if this happened? You know, what would the NFL draft look like? And I would love, because of that point of view, I would love to give the Cincinnati Bengals anybody other than Joe Burrow. But I can't do it. And you couldn't either. Joe right. Burrow goes top, number one overall, in your latest mock draft. I mean, after what we saw against Georgia as LSU captured the SEC championship, is there just any way this isn't Joe Burrow? Or is this, can you write this in, not even in pen, like in right. blood, basically? Well, so yeah, so you give one of your guys the floor one of your, your Midwest scouts, one of your veteran scouts, to make the case for Chase Young over Joe Burrow. You 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 do that. You do that due diligence. You know, you it's like um 
Oh no, bad analogy, but here we go. You remember the uh, <laughs> We're ready for it. We're ready Kevin for it. Costner movie Draft Day. Okay. One of my favorite movies of all time. I yes. watch it every Wednesday before the draft begins. And I, I bath. I, I, thought, I, th- um, I thought you were gonna say you watch it every Wednesday. No, just I always I always watch it in late April so I can you get reminded of how teams approach the NFL draft. Oh uh, yes, um, the accuracy of draft day. Right. When they first, you know, trade for the Seattle's number one overall pick, having absolutely no plan of what to do with it on the day of the NFL draft, as one does. Um firing from the hip. Right. He like, you know, Kevin Costner makes the point that like we're drafting Bo. Now convince me otherwise, kind of like it's how he presents it to his staff. You know what I mean? Like we gotta know everything and like we gotta like figure out what's wrong with this kid, figure out what the other teams didn't figure out. They're gonna go deep into it. But from everything we currently understand, there's simply no way you can pass on a quarterback prospect like Burrow for any other prospect. I really don't care. Like, I mean, like, if you have a guaranteed J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, yes. Chase Young is not a guarantee. It doesn't matter how good of a, a defensive prospect coming out you are. If you, you are not a guaranteed player. Is the draft. It's not guaranteed. The potential of hitting on a quarterback is more valuable than the potential of hitting on any other position mm-hmm. period if you do not have a quarterback you are not competing so joe burrow to the Bengals. it's absolutely fun to think about what it would look like otherwise i mean if if there's even a, a chance that the Bengals don't go burrow at one i mean the deals the giants and the redskins are going to get at two and three on draft day will be insane like that those 10 minutes will be you know fire sale in terms of a, a, a massive bidding war in those picks um, but I would still expect, I mean, Burrow's going to be going going to Cincinnati. He's the first quarterback off the board with the two yeah. injuries basically in stone. Yeah, and it's it, it's crazy to think about because you said there, like, unless you get an Aaron Donald or J.J. Watt kind of guaranteed prospect. Man, I'm going to be honest. I'm not saying that Chase Young is perfect, but when it comes to approaching the draft, knowing that there is always that bit of unknown, that bit of projection with it, what other situation could possibly exist that might fight against a quarterback like Joe Burrow going number one overall that would be better than currently what Chase Young is? He's a pass rusher, a defensive end kind of pass rusher, a guy who has a crap ton of production over the last two years, is still relatively young, has the perfect size, is a great athlete, is a technician, he's a great kid. Like, Everything exists for him. The position he plays, the talent he has, and who he is. All of that is in line with exactly... If I, if I, was, if I told you, craft a prospect to go up against Joe Burrow to fight for the number one... The opinions on the number one overall pick, you'd probably craft somebody like Chase Young. And yet, it's obviously Joe Burrow. It can't be anybody else. You know, so that's just something right. that, that's interesting to me about Burrow is that as much as I would love for this pick to be a little bit different, and I'll probably do a couple of mock drafts here where maybe Burrow isn't going number one overall just to one piss people off because that's incredibly fun for me to do. But also, you know, to explore the hey, what you just said, if Burrow were to happen to fall the two, what's the price tag that he gets from maybe a trade from the Giants? I think it'd be a lot of fun to do, but as of right now, I think you nailed it. You can't really go anywhere else. Your uh, short and sweet explanation of it, I think, hit the nail on the head. Chase Young going number two to the Giants, but then I do want to stop here at number three. Washington Redskins taking C.D. Lamb. 
then I'll let you do a little bit of a victory lap here. I know this wide receiver class is great top to bottom, especially at the top. It's a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. But early in the summer, actually, I believe it was minutes after the 2019 NFL draft was finished, you said, welcome to the 2020 NFL draft. C.D. Lamb is wide receiver one. Here he is. You have him not only wide receiver one, but going number three overall. You think he's worth it? So, well, Redskins fans are upset with me, which is understandable, but also wrong, and you're idiots. Firstly, Jeez. Joe Burrow... <laughs> no. It's okay. all right. I love you guys. It's very funny. Like, I cannot remember the last time a, a fan base was so pissed that we, they didn't get an offensive lineman. Usually, you have a fan base offensive lineman. Like, I gave Arizona... Uh, uh, Andrew Thomas, Alpha Tackle out of Georgia. Mm-hmm. Arizona has allowed the most sacks this year, the highest pressure rate this year. Uh, and they have one offensive tackle under contract beyond 2019. And they're like, why would you give us offensive tackle? It's ridiculous. Sweetie, you need one. You know what I mean? Like, people <laughs> usually don't like offensive it's line picks. It's boring. They don't want to pick. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, listen, y'all out there love the Thick Boy of the Week award. All right. We get. We get tons of submissions for the Thick Boy of the Week. You guys tune in every Tuesday to hear who the Thick Boy of the Week is, and yet you don't like when offensive linemen go to your team in mock drafts. Come on. Right. Just they only treat like it like the a Thick, thick boys boy. When they're doing things Thick Boys don't usually do. Devastating. Come on. You got to treat. Now, if we give your team a good offensive lineman, in a mock draft and your team needs it, treat it as if we are giving you your own personal thick boy of the draft. See? It's all about how you look at it. Now everybody's happy. See, Washington now loves you, Ben. There you go. I fixed it. You're welcome. Well, I didn't give Washington a thick boy. I gave them Sedarian. Oh, right, right, right. No, sorry. Arizona. And and I say at the top, the Redskins are in desperate need of elite talent at the tackle position. Trent Williams does not want to be on this football team. Very clear. He's gone. Very clear. Yeah, so they, they and I don't dispute that. I would argue they also need elite talent at the wide receiver position. Terry McLaurin's been great. I agree. But Green Bay was free to cone and bracket a third-round rookie who's playing great ball, Terry McLaurin, because they are so unfearful of the rest of your pass-catching weapons. If you If you look at how Haskins was successful in Ohio State, which may or may not become more or less the formula depending on which offensive coaching staff is added when you look at your 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 head coaching position in the offseason. But if you look at how Haskins won at Ohio State, he had Terry McLaurin, Paris Campbell, KJ Hill, and they were able to work these guys into space, regularly get them matched up one-on-one. They gave Haskins quick and easy completions in the short to intermediate areas. He was a distributor. He was precise. He kept the offense on schedule. He didn't escape the pocket and make a ton of big plays. He doesn't have a huge arm. He doesn't push and and hit tight windows, intermediate, deep down the field. He maximized his weapons. So you want to win with this player you've drafted a quarterback. You need multiple weapons. You have one. C.D. Lamb is the ninth overall player on the current TDN consensus board. He is wide receiver two behind Jerry Judy, who is fourth. Andrew Thomas, Tristan Worth, by the way, sixth and seventh. So instead of giving you the, or excuse me, fifth and sixth, instead of giving you the fifth and sixth best player that I thought was in this class, I gave you the ninth best player. So it's not even like we got worse. We're basically in the same neighborhood here in terms mm-hmm. of how good these players are. And, and, and 
I think this young receiver is as critical to Haskins' growth and development as being able to protect him. You can get tackle talent. I will also say, if you look at rookie wide receivers and rookie tackles, especially early drafted ones, you're more likely to get early production out of a wide receiver versus an early tackle. Early tackles can go out there and they can struggle a lot. And they need time to, to adjust to the speed and adjust to the power of NFL rushers. You can get great production out of a top of the first round rookie wide receiver. So people, you know, like third, I, I stopped reading after receiver at number three. That's way too early. Okay. That sounds great. Beat the Giants in, in week 16. I think they put the Giants. And you'll be picking at six. And that'll give you a wide receiver there. Will you be happy? Like <laughs> the, the third. I'm telling you right now, if you're like, all right, the pool of players is Andrew Thomas, Tristan Wirfs, CeeDee Lamb, and Jerry Judy. Mm-hmm. Well, of those four players, all four available at three. If they're picking at six or seven, probably one or two still would have been around. They still would have had the choice. So, like, be. I, I, that always drives me nuts. No, we wouldn't do it at three. Well, if you'd be okay with it at like six, then shut up because they're basically the same thing. Um, so that's why Redskins got CD. In terms of CD above Judy, I don't think Judy's bad at anything. I don't think Lamb's bad at anything. We yeah. got two elite football players. I also right. don't think Henry Ruggs bad at anything, by the way. So we got three elite football players in the wide receiver position. This right. is a, 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 a pick your poison. This is this is you know uh, choose who you like best who whose mold is most interesting to you. There'll be like work ethic things and like you know like like character things that people care about. But this is why uh, Lamb was my pick here. Could have been Judy. Could have been Rugs. I wouldn't have complained either way. An elite wide receiver is necessary in Washington. Ooh, could have been Rugs. Getting a little spicy there. Rugs at number three. I ain't seen him that high. Uh, we don't gotta travel too far to get to the next point that I want to talk about. This is something that we spent a whole podcast introing the what if. You have Tua Tungavailoa going number four to the Miami Dolphins still. This was obviously a very popular pick when Tua was healthy. Now Tua has the season-ending injury, already has the surgery on his ankles, yet we're talking about when healthy, one of the most prolific passers in college football history Probably the number one draft question I've gotten, I don't know about you, Ben, but the mm-hmm. number one draft question I've heard over the last like two, three weeks is, do you still think Tua goes round one? And yes. my answer to that question has always been yes, I do, because, and we, we talked about this a little, so I don't want to repeat myself too much, but where we stand right now at the beginning of December is going to be a lot different than when we get to like April. And where right now it might be cool or easy, I'll say, to have these talking points of, oh, wow, you know, Tua might never be the same. Now he might not even be a first-round pick. He might even go back to Alabama. That's all really like, okay, I get like the talking heads, kind of like we got to say this stuff. But if you put yourself in your shoes five months from now, and Tua is what the doctors have reported, progressing nicely, will heal fully, and even if you give this dude a full redshirt NFL first year, like he does not play, he is twenty. he's then 23 years old, even the next year when he would take another snap. If you take all that into account, how are you telling me this guy's not going to go top 10? Because he is. Right. It's no longer... Like what we where we were with Tua was he is one hundred percent 
going to go to the Miami Dolphins, wherever they end up picking, or probably beforehand, because they'll probably have to trade up to go get him. But they need a quarterback. They've been tanking. They know that they haven't addressed the position on purpose, so they can get a quarterback. They're going to get a quarterback, period. That's where we were. Now it's Tua is not a lock to go to Miami. But if he doesn't go to Miami, every single team in the teens who's just sitting there Going to need a quarterback in the future. Has an opportunity to draft a guy like Tagovailoa, who, if he healthy, still if, to me... If, if he healthy. If like he's mean. healthy. Still <laughs> no, but you to, forgot like, the BS, right. so it's just like, yeah, yeah. if he healthy. If he healthy. We forget this, but... I, I could never, but go on. We got swept up in, in Burrow fanaticism, and that's cool. Like, I mean, like it's fun to do so. That He's awesome, but... Tua and, and Burrow, when you when you sat down and you you know soberly addressed the film, Tua was to me an equivalent prospect to Burrow, if not a better prospect than Burrow. And like I haven't like sat down and watched all 13, 14 games from their senior seasons and figured that out. But like off of what I was watching, I had no reason to, to say ironclad, oh yeah, Burrow's better quarterback prospect than Tua. This guy was going to be in the conversation for the first overall pick throughout the next couple of months. The injury just means that now that player carries ungodly amount more risk. But the payoff of a rookie first-round quarterback who is cheap, who is starting, who is talented enough to take your team to the playoffs, this is the best competitive edge that exists. When you remember that there may be a different CBA and different conditions under which the quarterback is, the the, the rookies are drafted and the rookies are paid and however you you want to build a team, in the 2021 draft, if Tua comes out, it may be the team's last real chance. You know, I, 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 this is uh, you know a, a small percentage hypothetical, but it might be their last chance to exploit this edge of the rookie quarterback. You tell me, uh, there's not one team willing to risk it all for the chance that Tua is healthy. If you watch the kid play, do you watch the kid come off the bench in the national championship game and win? What are you talking about? You know, so this is he's no longer locked into Miami. Mm-hmm. But but there are too many teams who can justify picking their quarterback of the future in the first round than not one of them. Like there's just too many chances, too many swings to the bat. One of them would connect. And I think still the most likely is that Miami, who has spent a long time talking themselves into Tua in their, you know, uh scouting staffs in their front office, does enough due diligence, does enough work, gets the green light from the team doctors and says, This was our guy. He got hurt, still our guy. And just the fact that we don't have to trade up from five makes it all that easier. You know, but, but this is talking about the we want to take him because he's one of the best quarterback prospects we ever doggone saw. Right. No, and I, I think, you know, you're looking, even like a little bit down the top 10, I don't know how much longer Matt Ryan's going to do this. I know that Matt Ryan signed an extension, I think, two years ago, but he's going to be 35. And if you're completely cleaning house with the coaching staff, I mean, it wouldn't be far-fetched for uh, for Atlanta. I'm sorry, Atlanta to to take a look at Tua. Also at number 10 right now, Los Angeles Chargers, right? I mean, like, they might be interested in it. And, and those are two teams without even getting into the teens, like you said. So I just think the, the interest level from what you said about who Tua Tungo-Vailoa is when healthy. If we're told that by the doctors he is going to be healthy again, he's going to get drafted in the top 15. Top 10, I would say. Right. That's just, it's, it's, it's going to happen. Every team that their team doctor greenlights them is going to be, all, like, it doesn't, like, 
as long as your quarterback's over the age of 30, you're going to have a conversation. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. You're totally having yeah. a conversation. Um, you have one—hold on, I'm making sure here. One, two, three, four. You have four big boys along the trenches going in the top 10. None of them are named Derek Brown, Javon Kinlaw, or Jedrick Wills. Those are big boys that you've got going between picks 10 and 20. Ben, is this just a testament to how good this trench class can be at the top? Like, do you not have to maybe jump all the way in the top 10 to get like an impact player? I mean, you got Derek Brown in this one going number 11. Now, I mean, if you ask me in a vacuum, do I think that Derek Brown's going to go top 10? I think so. You might say that as well. But you always know that the draft could fall different ways. And if Brown does go a little bit higher, maybe Kinlaw's going a little bit lower. Is this just really like you getting between... I don't know, picks 12 and 18, like a real sweet spot to get a steal for a really good trench player in this draft? Well, I think we always say that we usually end up with around like 16, 17, 18 first round grades, right? And so that's, you know, typically what you hear from teams as we start getting into like March is, oh, this is like a 14 kid class. Like this is like a 15 kid class, mm-hmm. which means that like their first round grades, their first round locks, the guys that are positive are going to go in round one typically start to expire around that pick number. And then it's guys that one team has graded as a first rounder and they draft them, but the other teams don't necessarily have them graded there. So that's when it starts to dissipate. And so it's all, that's always the spot to me. Like I think getting Jedrick Wills at 16 to Tampa is awesome. I think getting Henry Ruggs at 14 to Oakland is great. Christian Fulton at 13 to Philly is great. And then Derek Brown at 11 to Denver is awesome. Those are all players that if, if I had found a way to put them in the top 10, nobody would have batted an eye because they're potential top 10 picks because they're consensus first rounders at right. this stage. Right. So that's right. kind of how that ends up looking. Yeah. With, with the trenches specifically with Brown, it's, you know, I, I, uh, you got te- you got teams taking quarterback. I don't think the Redskins are going for him. The Giants definitely aren't going to go for him. Then you get to Detroit, maybe, but they've got. I would never count Dave Gettleman out for drafting any kind of defensive lineman. Right, but true. Right. If he dra- he drafted Derek Brown, have the biggest defensive line starting deal in history. <laughs> um, but but the Lions, you could talk about it because I don't think their defensive tackles have played great, but I think they already have a little bit too much investment there uh, to to move on, especially when you consider how weak corner is. Arizona at six was like, all right, I'll do Derek Brown. And then I looked at it more and I was like, you know, I think they really need tackle help. Not a tackles left the board yet. So this is a good spot for them to take a tackle. Yeah. Um, and then I got to Atlanta, Atlanta. I was like, all right, this is the spot, Derek Brown. And then I looked at it. And I was like, you know what? Like I think they got Grady Jarrett. He's successful there. I can give them AJ Epinesa who also can win as an inside pass rusher, but then he also gives them an outside rush, which they don't currently have. I think Epinesa profiles a lot like rushers that Dan Quinn has like previously. I give him Epinesa. You know, and then all of a sudden I'm at the Chargers at 10. I'm like, well, they just drafted Jerry Tillery. And I think they want to continue to see what they've got with him there. I think Derek Brown would make sense here, but they don't necessarily need that yeah. that badly. And I like Isaiah, I think Isaiah Simmons looks exactly like a Charger sort of linebacker. And so, like, Derek Brown was, like, in the conversation of four picks and ended up at 11. You know, and, like, oh, that would never happen. Okay. Andre Dillard was drafted at 22 by the Philadelphia Eagles. By pick seven, we were like, oh, Dillard might go here. And we said it for 15 straight picks. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah. In the no, you're round. right. You're right. But, you know, you don't get any credit or any points for being the second option. We just know who teams pick. And then if you were almost picked four or five times, well, no one That's knows. That's a you know, really like they, great point. A well, really people great point. Like, this would never happen. Brother, it's December and we don't know Jack. Like, this would never happen. Mox that ha- that happened on day one 
get less than a third of the picks right. You're right we don't know what's going to happen. Or you're right this would never happen. But we won't know that until it literally occurs. We yeah. will never know. Yeah. You know, we'll never be able to prognosticate that that accurately. So Derek Brown at 11, I said it, the, the first line of the thing, he probably go top 10 in, 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 in most mocks. And that's why he happens to be at 11. Suck it up, get over it. Denver fans, you better be freaking happy. Speaking of Denver fans, <clears throat> Drew Locke, as this podcast has often said, <laughs> is good. <laughs> as I was watching Drew Locke torch the Houston Texans, all I could think about was, oh, Ben. Oh, no. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> Listen. Daniel Jones hung 40 on Tampa. Damn right he did, and I was there um, for it. Yeah, listen, like, we, uh, this is good, and this is exciting, and, like, the stuff that you've heard about Drew Locke in the locker room and the stuff that you've heard about his preparation, obviously we saw on the field. Oh, wow, they renamed, they, they renamed the room that the players congregate the locker room. Because I of how cohesive he is. For as, a, as a co-host. That was awful. It was amazing, and I hated it. Thank you. Um, Thank you. Right, I like. I'm very glad Drew Locke's played good no, ball. No, it's no, it's it, it's always about this, right? I mean, yeah. there are so many good young players who can have a good, even first couple of games. I talked about, you know, when we were going over the NFL lines. I can't remember if it was last week or the week before. I was mentioning a couple players who, okay, earlier in the year, when it's your very first game, you have a little bit of this quarterback luck, almost like beginner's luck kind of a thing to you, and a lot of players have that. It's always about scouting, and the real opinion of players is always about, okay, you can, you have early success. What happens when NFL-caliber players and coaches know what you've just done? Attack it in a certain way, and it's all about how you improve from that moment forward. That's what scouting is all about, because that's how you get guys who are worth top value and have longevity and can really have an impact in the league. And so the start for Locke has been awesome. You know, the dude's got a live arm. There's no doubt about that. He was zipping that bad boy everywhere. And it's a lot of fun to watch. But now we're going to get into, and including next year, when I'm sure he's going to be the starting quarterback week one, that's going to be the real, hey, let's see what Drew Locke's all about in the NFL. And it's exciting that he's having success early on, though. It's been fun. It's been fun to watch. My favorite thing about it is the idea of John Elway continuing to subsist. Hell yeah, brother. General manager of the Denver Broncos. Which, listen, if you just get the quarterback right apparently once every eight years, you get to stick around. Good deal. It's all it takes. It's all it takes. Uh, I wanted to ask you a couple more questions about the mock one running back. Okay. You've got one running back going in the first round of this mock draft. It is Jonathan Taylor. There are guys like Travis Etienne, DeAndre Swift. J.K. Dobbins, um, Chuba Hubbard, you know, like all kinds of guys that can really make an impact and are showing that they can make an impact in college and have some good NFL projection. Why, as good as this running back class is, Taylor goes round one. What makes him different from the rest of the running backs to be a round one guy? And then could you see any of these other players sneaking in as round one players? Right, so the the thing with with Taylor, well, the thing with picking the running back in round one is it's always very hard, regardless of the class. Like I think when we had like Barkley, we were all like, "Aha, top 10. And and then the rest of it's difficult because no matter how good your running backs are, it's 
very hard with the way the running back position is played at the NFL level, with the way that, that snaps are distributed and, and rushes are distributed, to point to teams and say, you need a running back so bad that you're going to spend a first-round pick on one. Because it's very rare that we see a team make a first-round pick at running back, Rashad Penny, Sonny Michelle, and say to ourselves, that was good. Usually we're, we're confused. And, and, and so it's hard as a mocker to, to get yourself into the shoes where you're going to pick a running back in round one. Miami is the easiest spot. And people have, have said, oh, I'm so sick and tired of seeing running backs in round one from Miami. Stop doing this. Well, like, I mean, they this is Brian Flores and Chad O'Shea. This is a, a Patriots tree of the coaching staff. They're going to want to be able to run the football. When they have a rookie quarterback in there as well, anecdotally, you know, they're going to say we need to be able to run the ball because we have a rookie. That's a very common idea in the NFL, whether or not it's warranted, whether or not a running game actually helps a rookie up for debate. But that's 100% how the coaching staff is going to approach it. And then when you look at, okay, which runner are they going to like? You know, there's no reason to say no to DeAndre Swift or Travis Etienne, who I think are consummate players. But I think the one thing that Taylor has, the feather in his cap, is that he has been a bell cow for multiple seasons. You know this kid can be volume. You know that, that Taylor is going to get better the more carries he gets throughout a game. You know that he's going to be as effective on his 24th carries as on his first carry. They're going to be able to feed him touches. I also think they're going to get him more involved in the passing game, which is critical. Uh, Taylor pulled off the field on third downs. You know, the, the first couple of games of the season, it seemed like Wisconsin was kind of sh- shucking this mold a little bit. And then they fell right back into it in the back half of the season with Taylor being like a two down back. Makes no sense. Tremendous space player. Imagine being 5'11", a buck 95, and seeing Jonathan Taylor on a swing route. Like, your life sucks. Right. You know, I don't know. So, so I think that, that they... Oh, sucks. It does. So well I think said. they opened well that said. up. I think they opened that up for him a little bit more, which makes him a 20-plus touch player in terms of receiving game and, and, and running game. So I think that they like him because of, of stylistically, they know what he can be, usage rate, they know what he can be, which is, mm-hmm. he's been an Iron Man, he's been a bell cow for ages. Yeah. If it's a different running back, it's a different running back. But then, like, you know, with Houston not having a first-round pick, I know Carlos Hyde has been, like, pretty good for them in, in uh, you know, in Lamar Miller's stead, but I think that they need to look at a young running back. Besides that, I mean, like... Did you say Lamar Miller's dead? In, in Lamar Miller's stead. Oh, okay. Okay, that's yeah. better. Um... I mean, like Buffalo at 25 is, I think, a conversation. But it's, you know, it, it's very hard to find places to put first-round running backs in with the talent oh, look, class. I, I think that, you know, I'm I'm generally, in principle, not a running back going first-round guy. Jonathan Taylor, I think, will impact your team enough to be a late first-round player. Like, I just think he does everything really well. He's got power. He's got balance. He breaks tackles. He's a good receiver. He's going to block for you. He's got breakaway speed. All of the things that you would say, okay, we need this from a running back to impact the game well enough to be a first-rounder, I truly think Jonathan Taylor can bring to the table. That and he is one hell of a worker, and he is a great kid from every single thing that I have read about him. So I really do think that Jonathan Taylor is going to be a round one player. I'm just not sure where exactly, but I, I do yeah. I do totally think it's going to happen because when you talk about total package for a running back and, and not just like checking boxes, like I said, like going above and beyond sometimes, how he can generate points for you and positive plays for you, I think that he really brings it together. So I got no qualms with him being a first round pick. Two more things I wanted to ask you. One, what are some picks in this mock draft fits of players and prospects that was so easy for you like the second that team got on the board you went yep immediately i love this fit which picks 
and Fitz did you love the most in this mock draft? Yeah, I mean, LaVisca to Chanel to Green Bay is the easiest pick That's a fun in every very mock fun. every year. I think I've, I've done three mocks. I'm pretty sure I've given them. I might have given them Dylan Moses once, but I've given them LaVisca at least twice because you look at how this wide receiver room is constructed with Alan Lazard, with Devontae Adams, with Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Equinemia St. Brown, Jake Kumaro, and you say, all right, the guy I want to target on underneath crossers, on wide receiver screens, on – you know, hitch routes as a check down is because they all are just big boys. It's just a lot of sides, a lot of downfield catchability. And then it's Devonta Adams, who is a consummate three-level threat. Adams can do everything. But I think Adams, with his route running, with his uh, acceleration, with his ball tracking, you like him intermediate to deep. Chanel is a scheme touch player in on a team that needs it. Uh, they need a short area target. They need a guy who can, uh, as I kind of wrote, do more than what Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur create for him. Uh, you know, it's not just, you know, yak. This, this is not a big part of the Packers offense. And they really could use it. I think that's Chenault's best trait. Um, I did Chenault's film this past week. Whether or not he ends up a first rounder for me will be conditional on like uh, his athletic testing and how he grades out uh, metric wise. Mm-hmm. But he's borderline. And it it comes down to a large part of the fact that with a ball in his hands, this guy beats the first tackler and frequently beats the second one as well. That's desperately needed in, in Green Bay. So that one's easy. And then I think this is the first time I've given this fit, but to me it's, it's clear as day. I mean, Baltimore needs a, a starting inside linebacker. And there's a kid out of Alabama who plays inside linebacker named Dylan Moses. And I, I don't know if you heard – the Baltimore Ravens like drafting these Crimson Tide kids. So you let CJ Mosley go. Big shout um, out, Courtney Upshaw. Yes. Now, uh, wait. They also had uh, they also had Terrence Cody too, right? Who Baltimore? They, yeah, I think they did. I Mount Cody. Remember. I think they did have Mount Cody. I can't remember if they drafted right. or not. All right. Well, they they, dra- they definitely drafted CJ Mosley, and then I yes. let CJ Mosley go. He goes to also Jets. Marlon Humphrey. Yes, Patrick on Wuasor steps in as the potential starter i know he's missed time this year due to injury but this was like an undrafted free agent from 2016 who they've practice squatted and they've grown him into a starting mic and it's great lj fort they pick up off of waivers from philadelphia i don't want to talk about it they've given him an extension this year they've done well but they don't have a blue chip talent see dylan moses is a blue chip talent Mm -hmm. and 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 he you know oh he hasn't played this year yeah so he, he probably won't come out if he does and he stands on a sophomore film, it's enough to call him a first rounder, especially late. You know, the pick 29, pick 30, pick 31, 32, wherever Baltimore ends up. The athletic ability is out of this world. You expect the cat with Moses's work ethic and strength to be able mm-hmm. to fully recover as well. And then, I mean, he's a, he's a Baltimore Raven. Like he, he the, in terms of the leadership and the the insanity and the 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 uh, the tape, he's a Raven. If he makes it there, just put it in stone. So I like Dylan Moses to the Ravens a lot, a lot as well. And then T. Higgins to Buffalo is also fun because Higgins, a, yeah, that's a very common. Higgins is deep and corrects accuracy, inaccuracy. And Josh Allen throws deep and he throws inaccurately. So this is just it's good understanding your quarterback, understanding how to do it. Uh, last question for me on this mock draft, and then uh, I'll let you get out of here. I'll stop berating you with questions over over this slaved over mock. Were there? Was there a player or maybe a couple of players that did not make it into this first round mock that you personally really like enough to say like, okay, in future mocks or maybe as the season goes on, maybe it's at an all-star event like an East-West Shrine game or a senior bowl or maybe the athletic testing as the combine. 
you will see creep into this late first, mid first round kind of pick? Was there a guy that you say like wished you could have gotten the first round or maybe deserved to go in the first round that you weren't able to find a spot for? Yeah, I um my last mock I put KJ Hamler. Oh yeah, you're big KJ Hamler. Yeah. Um I think I think if Hamler declares, because like nobody has sat down and done Hamler's film. I think if he declares he's gonna get first round run. Uh you know, and Jalen Rager also didn't make this this first round mock for me, but like Rager and Hamler to me are similar players who win in similar ways. And mm-hmm. you know, we saw with Marquise Brown first wide receiver off the board last year. If you can kill angles, if you can house call shallow crosses teams can value you and i think both of these players have that potential uh, not, so those in, ta- not in tampa not in tampa they're not what do you mean uh you're not allowed to run shallow crossers and drags in tampa imagine uh, james winston averaged what like 14 yards per four touchdowns three interceptions dude they uh on one of their touchdown drives against who did they just play the colts god Seasons long, long season, folks. Uh, against on one of the scoring drives against the Colts, they had a shallow crosser that went for 15 yards, and they also did a QB sneak at the goal line successfully to score a touchdown. And I went, "Whose, whose fucking team is this? Because it's not the, Tampa. Can't be Tampa." Bruce, a Bruce Arians rule of never calling the same play twice has gotten truly to the bottom of the playbook. Listen, they did not run uh, either of those plays again for the rest of the game. I wonder if it just, like, if they QB sneak it once, do you think he's like, all right, it's fourth and one. We got to use the QB sneak. He's like, no, we can't. We can't do it. Right. We got to save it, it, man. You oh, might yeah, need you gotta it save later it. in the season. Smart. Smart. Yeah, you're going to surprise people. The other names, uh, uh, interior defensive line, I got Derek Brown and Javon Kinlaw off the board, and that's it. I think that between Neville Gallimore, Oklahoma, Raekwon Davis, Alabama, Marvin Wilson, Florida State, mm-hmm. all of whom are senior bowlers, by the way. Um, between those guys, I would be very surprised if we had just two interior defensive linemen leave the board. Um, Gallimore is the one who sticks out to me as, like, the Big 12 tape is weird, but when you isolate the reps where it's pass rush time and he's one-on-one with the center, he's winning a lot more than he's losing. Uh, Gallimore's film impressed me a fair bit. So uh, he's the one I would circle as as probably at this stage, uh, defense tackle three off the board and also a potential first rounder for a team who wants that penetration ability up front. There we go, folks. Full first round mock draft podcast from your boy, Benjamin Solak. If you have not read the mock yet, head over to thedraftnetwork.com. Go give it a look. Gave all the teams picking in the first round a selection as well as some analysis with it. It's not just a pick. He explains why. Gives you a little bit of the intro to the player. And of course, at draftnetwork.com, if you see a player, maybe not even going to your own team. If you're just scrolling the mock draft and you're like, hey, I don't really know a lot about this guy. If you click their name, you get a little scouting report pop out that pops up on your screen. Tells you all about the player from a couple of different point of views from the scouts that we have on staff. So I think that's a really cool tool. Go check out the mock draft. Ben and I will be back tomorrow to talk about everything that happened in the college football world over championship weekend, as well as looking at the college football playoff rankings, the final ones. Well, I guess not the final ones, but the final ones before bowl week. We'll take a look at some other bowl games as well. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.